our passage tonight comes from Psalm 84. It's in your handout if you would like to read along. Okay. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Salah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of the cock, they make the place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Salah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on your face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is one who trusts in you. We want RUF to be a place to do a couple of things um, for you. One, we would love RUF to be a place for you to get answers to questions that you have about God or about yourself or about the world. So it's a place where you can get answers. We want RUF to be a place where you can find community and a community that's not based around a tribe or not based around um, appearances or whatever, but a community that is based around respect, forgiveness, dignity, grace. That's what we, are surround, we surround here. So you can be part of that. But maybe more than anything else, we want REF to be a place where you can grow in your faith, whether you're new or searching or you've been a Christian for a while. And part of the issue for us is that, like, basically nobody knows what it means when someone says, I want to grow in my faith. Like, some people I say, like, I want to grow in my faith. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, you know. Like grow in my faith because uh, that's what I think is something that I'm supposed to want, and uh, very few of us know what that means. It just sounds like a churchy religious thing to say. But the the short answer from the Bible for what it means to grow in your faith is to become more like Jesus. That the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in His people is to change us, to make us fully human, and to make us like. Jesus. Um, and what we're doing this semester is we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's one fruit. If you look in the Galatians passage, it's on your sheet there. Um, it's something that, that God does to grow us. He gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as God works in our lives, we begin to see love, joy, peace, and all that stuff radiating out from us and affecting all of our relationships. So last week we looked at love, and this, uh, tonight we're going to look at joy. Now, I think that like probably most of us in the room would like to be a joyful person, for joy to be part of our life. Um, but the way that we tend to think about joy is kind of like joy from inside out. Um, every, every Pixar movie is about something having feelings. So like in Toy Story, like toys have feelings. In Finding Nemo, fish have feelings. And in, in Inside Out, feelings have, have feelings. And... Um, Joy, who's the main character, you know, it's just, if you don't know, uh, it's a movie about a little girl's feelings, and they're all, they're all per, uh, personified, and Joy is like the main character, right? And Joy is there to make everything fun. 
And even the trailer says, when everything is going your way, that's when joy takes over, right? She takes the reins. It's kind of weird because it's like the little girl's like a robot and they're controlling her, which makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) But basically, that's what we think joy is. We think when things are going your way, that's when joy takes over. So we believe two things. One is that when I'm happy, that means I have joy, right? When I feel happy, I have joy joy. And that's some of what we hear in the passage. If you look on the sheet, by the way, there's free Bibles in the back. If you ever want one, you can just take it. But look in verse two. Uh, The psalmist says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Then look down to verse four. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. To us, that sounds like a joyful person, someone that's singing, someone that's their their heart is is just like being drawn up in these happy feelings about God. Um, we tend to think that joy is a happy emotion. And emotions are good. God created us with emotions, and emotions are beautiful things that help us make our way through the world. And good feelings feel good, just by the definition of words. So we, what we try to do is we try to manufacture good feelings, right? We try to work ourselves into a place where we're feeling good feelings. And actually, many of us think that that's like what it means to worship God. It's like I come into a situation, I might be feeling weird or off, but I get myself into a place where I can sort of gin up enough happy, positive feelings, and that's what worship is. And as you guys know, some of us are better at that than others, okay? Some of us, the place between normal and happy is a lot shorter than than for some of the rest of us. But the problem is when life gets super heavy and it becomes harder and harder to sort of gin up those positive feelings. Um, This psalm, Psalm 84, is sandwiched between two other psalms, Psalm 83 and 85. Um, Again, because numbers mean numbers, way. Um, But in Psalm 83, the psalmist is saying like, Oh God, don't be silent forever. It's a low point. And in Psalm 85, the psalmist says, God, are you going to be angry with us forever? Right? It's another low moment. And when we get into a low moment, we think, like, if we think, I'm happy, therefore I have joy. When we go, I'm sad, therefore I don't have joy. Does that make sense? Like, when I'm in a low moment, when I'm sad, when things are hard, when I'm depressed, when our, my circumstances change and things aren't going my way, and it's hard to, to, to drum up those feelings, uh, these, those positive vibes, then I don't have joy, okay? It's just like, again, joy from inside out. There's another character named Sadness. Um, who is, interestingly, the comic relief in, 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 in Inside Out. But when, when sadness is introduced in the movie, Joy just goes like, there's sadness, I'm not sure what she's supposed to do here, but she can't go anywhere. But it's cool, like she, said, like she says, it's, it's good, we're good, we're great, everything's great, everything's fine. Um, and like, that's what we do with sadness. Like, we have no idea what to do with sadness whatsoever, so we go... I don't know what it's supposed to do, but it's not going away, but we're great. Like, we're fine. It's not a big deal. Um, look look at, at verse 6. The psalmist says, as they go, these are, these are people that are worship God. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with its pools. What the psalmist is saying is that when, even when a person who knows God goes through hard places that are, like the valley of Baca would have been a very dry place where there's not life. That even in a dry place, even in a low moment, new life can come forth for, for someone that, that trusts in God. Um, the psalmist, uh, Psalm, uh, King David says in Psalm 7, uh, 23, you might know this one, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I won't fear any evil for you're with me, right? Like even when I walk through low moments, um, there can still be joy in my relationship with God. Does that make sense? Sorrow is not antithetical to joy. Sadness is not antithetical to joy. And actually what happens is when you experience sorrow, a really interesting thing happens where it increases your capacity for joy. Some of the most delightful people in this room, because I know a lot of you and I know a lot of your stories, some of the most delightful people in this room are the people that have suffered the most and experienced the most sorrow in the room. Because what happens is when you experience deep sadness and sorrow, it's almost like the floor of your heart gets a whole big hole broken through it. And at first you think when you look down there, it's just going to be an abyss. It's just going to be darkness. But what you realize is there's another room down there, right? And as you experience sorrow and sadness, your heart begins to expand. And there are rooms in your heart that you didn't even know were available to you before. Um, you begin to ex- increase your capacity for joy. This is what happens in a wildfire. We think a wildfire is bad, it, it's hot, it burns, it destroys things. But there's actually certain plants and trees that don't put forth their seed unless that wildfire comes. It clears out things and it creates more uh, room for things to grow. Because here's the point. True joy has nothing or very little to do with feeling happy or feeling sad. Um, There was this guy, his name was Horatio Spafford. He was a Christian guy in the 1870s. He was a businessman, and he sent his wife and daughters um, from the U.S. back to Europe. Um, And he stayed behind to finish up some business. And when his wife arrived in, in, in Europe, she sent him a telegram and it just had two words, and it said, survived alone. Because their, their ship had struck another vessel on the way, and it sunk, and uh, almost everyone had died, including their four um, little girls. And uh, as he got on a ship, and it's not like you could jump on a plane in those days, you know, and he took that journey across the Atlantic. When they crossed the, the place where his, his daughters had died, through tears... He actually wrote a hymn. He sat down on the, on the ship and he wrote a hymn. And the first uh, stanza of that hymn, maybe you know this one. He says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Um, true joy says no matter the circumstances, no matter how hard they may be, how much they may crush us, it is well. Because this is what true joy is. So if you're like the person that wants to write down a definition. Joy is not the presence of happy feelings, nor is it the absence of sorrow. Joy is what happens when you believe that God is both in control and that he is good. No matter the circumstances of your life. So joy is the thing that happens in you when you believe that God is in control and that God is good, no matter your circumstances. No matter what, it is well, because God's in control and He is good. And um, I don't know if you've ever thought through this, maybe you're the kind of person that has, but it's actually very challenging to believe that God is both completely in control and completely good. Um, This guy named Epicurus, back in the 3rd century, I guess 4th century BC, he was a Greek philosopher, and he was the first one to really sort of put words to this, um, but it's, even, it's throughout the Bible too, um, that it seems like a paradox that God could be both completely good and completely in control and there still be bad things in the world, right? 
So Epicurus put it like this. He said, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he's not all-powerful. Is he able but not willing? Then he's not good. Uh, Is he both able and willing? And he says, then whence cometh evil? Then why is there evil? If God is able and willing, why is there evil? And is he neither able nor willing, then why call him God? Okay? It's actually one of the most uh, effective and daunting sort of challenges to the Christian God. Um, And uh, it's a super challenging question. We could have lots of super interesting conversations. And I would encourage you to lay that on Sarah and Bailey uh, at the table um, in the back if you'd like to. But one, I think the most important way to respond to that, because I'm basically telling you that God's in control and he's good. And the way that God responds to that... um, argument is through a, a thing called the cross. Okay, at the center of the Christian faith, at the center of the message of the Bible, is a cross. And what's happening on the cross is that God himself, who's become a human being named Jesus, um, allows himself to be nailed to a cross. And what he does is he bears evil in his body, in himself. And what that means is that God is not detached from the suffering and evil of the world. Okay, He's in the game. Like He's not outside just trying to figure it out. He's involved in the game. And He's clearly in control. Because the night before Jesus goes to the cross, He actually pleads with God the Father and goes, this is really, really hard, but not my will be done, but yours. Like And elsewhere the Bible says that this was God's plan all along. God's in control of this moment. But God is also good. Because I know like you guys have felt sadness and despair. Um, And God himself like allows sadness and despair to fall upon him in an ultimate soul-crushing sense to make way for joy. To sort of break through the floor of the world and allow room for joy. And then on the third day, Jesus dies on that cross but he doesn't stay in the tomb. On the third day, he rises from the dead, saying this, basically in effect, look, death and sorrow and despair and evil and darkness and sadness aren't going to get the last word. Like, life comes from death. And look, like, I don't say that to say, like, all of your questions about yourself and about what's happened in the world and what's happening now, all those questions aren't answered at the cross. Um, But all of our questions about God's character are answered at the cross. We know what kind of person God is at the cross. God is not caught off guard by evil. But he's absolutely committed to conquering it with everything that is within him. And he does that not by crushing evil with brute force, but by allowing himself to be crushed by brute force so that you don't have to be ultimately crushed in the end. And look, because Jesus rose from the dead. Um, The hope of a Christian person isn't to avoid suffering. Like, that's most of our, like, life goal. is to just avoid being sad and feeling pain. (laughs) Um, But the goal of the Christian, the Christian's hope isn't to avoid those things, but to find the new life that waits on the other side of sickness, sorrow, and death. A hope that's greater than your breakup, a hope that's greater than cancer. A hope that's greater than tens of thousands of refugees trying to figure out where they're going to go because they don't have a home. 
The life of a Christian is always one of a response to what God has done for us. And if joy is what happens when you believe that God is both in control of everything that happens and that he is good, um, how do you begin to believe that? Um, look, look at the passage. Verse 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day, and go to verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I just want to read this for us. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. For the person that wrote this psalm, who knows God well, he knows the way that he can begin to believe that God's in control and that God is good is that he goes to where God is. And he spends time in God's presence. Um, Marilyn Robinson, who's a writer, she put it like this. She said, The reason that things happen are still hidden, but they're hidden in the mystery of God. When we come to God and we see Him as He is, we find ultimate joy even though we don't have all of our questions answered. And really the point I'm trying to get across to you is that um, real joy is not and cannot be found in yourself. Real joy is not, it like can only be found in God. In locating our, our source of hope and joy in God. Uh, Voldemort got a lot wrong. I mean... I, I just freely acknowledge that that is the case. Um, Voldemort's the bad guy in Harry Potter, just FYI. Um, Voldemort got a lot wrong, but he was pretty smart with the Horcruxes thing. <clears throat> because, in case you don't know, he's the bad guy in Harry Potter, and he's this dark wizard, and is just like pretty awesome, looks like a snake. And... Um, what he did was he broke his, his soul into like, was it seven pieces? Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, this is for the one person that's never read or seen Harry Potter. Um, and he put these pieces of his soul in these different objects so that whatever happened to him, right? If something happened to him, he wouldn't lose his life. His life would still be preserved somewhere else, right? He put the source of his, he located the source of his life in something else. Does that make sense? Okay. That is a powerful truth. Like, did you know that, like, that's what God calls you to do? Not to break your soul into seven pieces and put them in some weird sword. Um, but God says, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've experienced, if you place your joy outside of yourself and in God, it will always be preserved no matter how you're feeling and no matter what you're going through. Because not only does Jesus die and rise again, when we trust him by faith, simply when we say yes to Jesus, he actually joins himself to us. So that forever, like your life finds its source in Jesus, who is connected to you forever. Um, And like, Here's a question for you. Have you ever like legitimately wondered, like, is God real? And the reason why you're asking that question is because you're like, because I don't feel like he's super real right now. 
Um, that's some of you guys right now. You're like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus or if any of this is real because I'm just not feeling it the way that I used to. Um, I, I'm not feeling excited about God. So, like, is He even really there? Like, I'm sinning and I'm not, like, finding a lot of motivation to stop doing that. Is He really there? Um, and the funny thing about that is if you think about it, you're not only centering your joy in your feelings, you're actually centering the existence of God in your feelings, as if He exists or ceases to exist based on how you feel on like a Wednesday afternoon. Um, but I've been there, and so like before I became a Christian, before I really like had any idea what was going on with Jesus, I got like sucked into doing to this retreat, and a retreat is like a weird thing that. Christian people do sometimes and do weird stuff at it, um, which only seems like marginally not cultish. Um, but like it's the like, one of the ones where like we nailed our sins to a cross and stuff, and it was all super weird for me because I was not had never been in the church or whatever. And I remember being really upset because like a lot of people were really into it, and they were singing and they were like they were worked up. And like I went to the cabin later, and like I was I became really upset because I was like whatever these people have, like I don't feel this way. And it was upsetting, so I talked to this counselor, and I was like, told him what was up, and he was like, you know what you need to do is like, you just need to sit quietly and to say to yourself, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe, and like eventually you will start to feel it, like, like as if it's just like you have to like just like sort of like get it cranked up and like it's gonna, like I thought it was the dumbest thing that I had ever heard, um, because basically what he was telling me to do was locate your joy and trust in Jesus inside. He didn't point me to like, hey, respond to what Jesus has done. You can just trust that. He said, just look, look inside. Um, some of you guys have done that by like walking an aisle for like a thousandth time. Some of you guys have done that by like just, I really felt the music today. And so therefore I know everything's okay. Or like you put negative people out of your life because they just, they keep you from feeling connected to God, or like you've just completely avoided intimacy with other people in general um, because they make it hard. And my question is um, could it be that there's just not enough in you to like bring you joy? Like if you've gone through a breakup, and some of you guys have recently gone through breakups, one of the hardest things about going through a breakup is that you're forced to sort of deal with the fact that you're not enough to just make another person completely happy. Like, even you guys that are dating, like, if you have not come to this realization yet, the funny thing is, like, you realize that at a breakup, you also realize that, like, the day after you get married. Um, you're like, really thought that, like, all the, like, super good vibes forever were going to start kicking in at this point. Um, but you just realize, like, you aren't enough for another human being. Like, you just can't be. And, like, could it be that there's just not enough inside of you to give yourself the joy that your heart craves? And that's not because there's something wrong with you. Like, you go through a breakup and you're, like, not enough for that person. You're like, it's me. It's, it's, there's not that there's something wrong with you. It's because you were never intended to be the source of your own joy. Um, the pastor says that God is a son. If God is a sun, that means that you are a moon. Like, you don't make light, you just, you reflect light. Like, that's what you were made to do. You were made to find your joy in God. The, the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's His joy. It's in Him that we get to connect to. So, like, how do you, you find that by coming into God's presence 
But like in the Old Testament, you had to go to a temple. Um, you had to travel to Jerusalem. And just to be able to taste what God was going to do, you had to show up. You had to travel a long way. But now, that was just a taste of what God was going to do. Because God said, if far from you having to go to a temple now, I'm going to come to you in the person of the Lord Jesus. And they called him Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means that God is with us. That God has come to be with us in Christ. Um, and that means that God's presence is available to anybody in this room tonight. Um, that you can, by putting your faith in Jesus, come into God's presence. And you can have joy. And the way, like, the most tangible representation of what that presence looks like is when God's people get together to share God's presence. And, like, that's what the, the scripture calls, like, the fellowship of believers, right? It's like a building that's being brought together. Like, did you know that, like, the best thing that you could do for joy in your life is just to show up at church and be with God's people? Um, that you can come into his presence by faith. Um, it's a beautiful thing. And I just want to land on this. Um, I know and some of this stuff seems like detached. It's like, okay, I come into God's presence. It's going to change things. I don't really super know what that means. He said go to church. Um, how do you cultivate joy? I just want to, I just want to give you one quote to, to end this on. Um, you can practice being in God's presence. Some of you guys practice the guitar. You practice corner kicks. Um, you can, if you play soccer, that's a soccer reference. Um, <laughs> You can practice being in God's presence. And it's simply just by, like, by gratitude, acknowledging the fact that God is good and God's in control. Um, there's this dude, his name was Brother Lawrence, and he lived in the 18th century, I think. He was like the real-life Nacho Libre. Um, like, as in, he was a monk, and he also worked in the kitchen, like, washing pots. So I just like, to, in my head, like to imagine that he's Jack Black. Um, with a bad mustache. And I just want you to let Brother Lawrence's words uh, rest on you. He's talking about being in the kitchen washing dishes. Okay. At the beginning of my duties, I would say to the Lord with confidence, My God, since you are with me, and since by your will I must occupy myself with this work, please grant me the grace to remain with you in your presence. Work with me so that my work might be the very best. Receive as an offering of love both my work and all my affections. During my work, I would always continue to speak to the Lord as though he were right there with me, because he is. Offering him my services and thanking him for his assistance. And at the end of my work, I used to examine it carefully. If I found good in it, I thanked God. If I noticed faults, I asked his forgiveness without being discouraged and then went on with my work, still dwelling in him. And what's beautiful about that is a simple gratitude for the fact that God is with him, that God is in control, and that God cares. Um, may God help us to find joy by being with him. Right, let's pray. Father, thank you um, that uh, we can be near you with your people, that we can be near you by reading your word, that we can be near you by prayer. And we thank you that being in your presence is the fullness of joy. Um, would you teach us what that means for us as we go through our day, regardless if we're up or down, if we stay down a lot, 
what we find just by acknowledging that you're good and that you're in control, um, much joy for our souls. Thank you for what you've done for us in Christ to give us a true and abiding hope. And we pray in this name. Amen.